0: Thank you for joining Radio Maria England. We now present Feasts and Seasons, presented by Joanna Bogle. Hello, it's Auntie Joanna, Joanna Bogle, talking about feasts and seasons. June, the month of midsummer, the month when we have the longest day. And the month of the Sacred Heart. Also, it's the month when many, many children, by long tradition, make their first Holy Communion. There's a lot happening in the month of June. The Sacred Heart is one of those very popular symbols among Catholics that we all sort of take for granted. And that's beautiful that we do, because it's all about Christ's great, great love for us. And part of the glory and beauty of that love is that we know of it. We take it for granted. We shouldn't, of course, really, because no pagan religion has the idea that God loves, that God is love, that, that what he does is love. When he made himself known first to his chosen beloved people, the Jewish people, and then in Christ to the whole world, it was something new. The Jewish people always knew there was something special. No god has a, no other people has a God who is as close to them as our God is to us, they sang. They knew this God loved them and cared for them, brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of bondage, led them to the promised land. We too have an assurance of this love. But at various points of history and various individual lives, also today, People don't really feel that love, or it's not taught to them very well, or it's been ignored. And so God is always calling us back to an understanding of this great, great love. The great Bishop Robert Barron, if you don't listen to his broadcasts, you should. He's absolutely wonderful. Likes to remind us, love isn't something God does. It's something he is. God's love for us is so huge. We read about it in the book of Genesis when he looked on what he had made and found it very good. And of course we know it, we know it, oh, we know it above all, that Christ died for us on the cross. This devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus really begins there on the cross. When they opened up his side with a spear and out came blood and water. This is very Eucharistic, and it is also physically what happens when you pierce a human heart, a fluid, the blood, the watery fluid pour out. This is all very deep theologically, and we remember that Christ was human. He was a human being. He walked this earth. He worked as a carpenter. He ate and drank. He felt thirst. He was a human being like us in every way except sin. So his heart beats with love for us, and the way he shows this is literally with his heart. Down the centuries, that idea of his heart loving and beating for us has been important in the life of the church. The time that we mostly know about now in this 21st century with those images of the sacred heart that are familiar to so many Catholics worldwide, is mostly due to a problem of the 17th century. You may have heard about it all. Saint Margaret Marie Alacoque, yes, her name indicates a French woman, in 1675 had a vision of Christ revealing to her his sacred heart. The important thing is the background. This was a time when, because of the events of the Reformation, post-Reformation and so on, Christ's deep, deep love was rather sidelined in favor of rather rigid rules and strictures. What became known as Jansenism, a rather cold, strict way of observing the faith. You still get remnants of Jansenism today. It rears its head quite often from time to time. People who want to be exceptionally picky about aspects of the church's teaching, not necessarily wrong in themselves who highlight it, but to highlight it without love, without care. So, for example, a very Jansenistic reading of sexual morality will make an enormous fuss about modesty of clothing, which doesn't mean that we shouldn't dress modestly. And in fact, that's a big problem today, that people don't fully respect the beauty of their bodies, and you get ghastly, zany, and often horrid fashions that are very, very sexually explicit and everyone feels uncomfortable about, but they don't want to sound jansenistic. They don't want to sound priggish. We have to teach with love and with joy the beauty of the human body, and in that particular case, the beauty of good fashion, the beauty of wearing something that is right and beautiful and attractive, and of learning about fashion and sewing and, oh, everything connected with it. So love Jansenism is wrong, and you can look up Jansen if you like, find out all about him, and the love of Christ matters. Margaret Marie Alacoque had had rather a sad life. Her father died and she and her mother were rather marooned from the rest of the family, uh, not only finding it hard to live, not much money, but above all feeling alienated. It was a complicated family situation. Margaret Mary eventually became a nun. And it was as a sister in prayer that she had this dramatic, powerful vision of Christ revealing to her his sacred heart and saying how much he loved men and how he wanted to show this love. Now, this is all very important because receiving a vision of this kind can make you very lonely. You need good spiritual direction. And interestingly, this she got. She understood that she was to receive. Good care and love. And one of the things that helped her was a priest, St. Claude de la Colombiere. Now, he was actually in London for part of this time and took the devotion there, although most of all, he was with her in France. Read up the story. Find out too about his links with St. Patrick's Church in Soho. And find out more about St. Margaret Mary, St. Marguerite Marie and her life, and why she was, in so many ways, the very much the right person to receive this message of love. And now we have the Feast of the Sacred Heart. This was announced uh, rather late on, although it had been... uh, Uh, very much uh, approved of and so on before, it was only in the 19th century, the church sometimes moves slowly, that it became a feast. It's always after Pentecost, and this year it falls on June the 11th. And we have Pope Pius IX to thank for that. He formally made it a feast in the 19th century. The Solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And it's a feast of the Universal Church, but it has for obvious reasons, special resonance in France, where you heard about Margaret Marie Alacoque, and also in England. From 1856 onwards, Feast of the Sacred Heart is obligatory for the whole church. But here in Britain, we have many, many churches linked to the Sacred Heart. We have schools named after the Sacred Heart, and that image of a Sacred Heart, Christ revealing his heart, pulsating and red, is a hallmark of many, many a happy Catholic family home. We have a small image of the Sacred Heart on a metal plate above our front door with the promise that Christ made to Margaret Mary alacock I will bless every house where a picture of my heart is displayed and honored. There's a rather nice ceremony you can do, ask your parish priest. He will enthrone the Sacred Heart in your home. Sometimes parishes have a sort of campaign of doing this around the parish and and a priest will visit from house to house. A good opportunity for missionary work. Perhaps something to think about in the next months as the coronavirus restrictions are lifted. Perhaps an idea for a parish mission. Certainly there is something pleasant about having a small, it doesn't have to be a great big picture, a small, perhaps rather beautiful, sacred heart image above your front door or wherever. It means a lot to us. And because it's embedded in a, in a cross on a, on a metal plate, somehow the feeling that our house is blessed with the sign of the cross and with the sacred heart, it gives us a feeling of, well, spiritual protection. So this is a very important devotion. We enthrone the sacred heart. We pray. We entrust our lives and our hearts to Christ's heart. At one time, it became an almost tribal symbol. I remember the late and, and much-loved Cardinal John Heenan, describing when he was Archbishop of Liverpool, how things were often rather tribal there, Catholic, Protestant, settlement from Ireland in the 19th century, the great uh, port from which so many Irish people went across to America, clashing with a Protestant tradition uh, of people who were living there and so on. And uh, sometimes on Catholic processions, they would have rather strange banners, one of which was, he thought very funny, God bless the sacred heart. Uh, which if you think about it doesn't make an awful lot of sense but it was a tribal statement we are catholics we love the sacred heart perhaps it was a reference to sacred heart primary school or sacred heart parish anyway the sacred heart has given many catholics an understanding of yes i belong but we shouldn't think of it as something tribal it really is important These revelations of the Sacred Heart, the first was on December the 27th in 1673, so it's in the 1670s of the 17th century that Margaret Marie Alacoque had this understanding, I must communicate this great love. Now, the people who took it up were the Jesuits, and it was a way of communicating God's love as opposed to strict rules. In fact, there were some controversies over the next years with people thinking that Jesuits were a bit slack, this idea that uh, when you went to confession to a Jesuit, he wouldn't uh, reprimand you as much as, oh, I don't know, a Dominican or a Franciscan might. And there were sort of jokes about the different ways that priests would hear uh, confession, uh, how you phrased your sins and so on. All rather silly and perhaps not in good taste, but there was this idea Actually, rather important that the Jesuits taught the love of Christ, and they also, not coincidentally, emphasised beauty. A Jesuit church was always, is always, full of things to see: lots of light and colour, statues, images, mosaics, stained glass, candles to light, a predio, places to pray. So this idea of a beautiful church with lots to interest people, including children, what's that? Can I look over there, mummy? May I light a candle? Is also very attractive. Once again, God is love. He wants us to enjoy prayer, to enjoy going to church. That doesn't mean it'll always be fun. It's silly to think of it as entertainment. But we should understand that there should be something physically attractive, warm, beautiful, welcoming about a church, and something that, at least initially, helps us to pray. We all know that great saints struggle, Margaret Marie Alcock did. She didn't find it easy to pray and she wasn't always listened to sympathetically. We can often expect that people who are the recipients of great visions and great graces may experience sorrow and struggle in their spiritual lives. So there is a sense in which the saint who receives the vision doesn't really get as much of the relaxed joy from it as perhaps we who follow the great gift of a vision doesn't necessarily bring you health and prosperity in this life. We might think of little Bernadette Subiru, who was a little teenage girl, asthmatic from a very poor family, semi-literate and so on in poor health, who received those stunning visions at Lourdes, which changed the culture of Catholicism so that it remains changed to this day, this immensely powerful Marian devotion. But Bernadette herself, no, she made nothing out of it, no money, nothing. And in ordinary times, she might have expected, oh, to marry a farmer and a bunch of jolly children. She went to a convent where she wasn't particularly well-treated at all and died young. Her health was never good. It's not that God punished. Oh, no, it's more a uniting of suffering with the suffering of Christ on the cross and the great joy, the incredible ecstasy of the vision is not necessarily connected with wealth and prosperity and so on in this life, but very much will in the next. So how do we mark the Feast of the Sacred Heart? Well, as the author of uh, a book and uh, programs and so on on customs and traditions, I'm really tempted to come up with something like heart-shaped cakes or something. But in all honesty, I must say, probably the best way is to enthrone the Sacred Heart in our homes. Look up the prayers that we can say Read up about the Sacred Heart and make this an opportunity for family prayers. It can be nice and there's no, it, it can be a nice celebration. And there's no reason why you couldn't make heart-shaped biscuits or a cake uh, to enjoy at the end of the celebration. But find out more. Read the promises of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. There are 12 of them. Find out more about the whole tradition of the Sacred Heart. Find out about Margaret Marie Alacoque and incidentally find out just how popular those names are, Margaret Mary. There are so many girls who've been called that uh, down the time, the centuries since she received those visions. Understand the significance of all of this in the life of the church. And while nibbling on heart-shaped biscuits, think about promising always to teach the faith in a way that is large loving generous beautiful so that it's never seen as a set of rules but as a love so great that we want to share it today everybody understands that the catholic church speaks about things about our bodies about our relationship with god about one another in ways that are in, in ways that are so different from the ways of the world but people misunderstand they think it's because Oh, Catholics are very strict. A young woman said to me the other day that somebody said, Oh, are you Catholics allowed to wear nice clothes? She's a very pretty girl and was wearing a very attractive, trendy dress. And she said, yes, of course, really important to look nice, to look pleasant, to look beautiful, to look fashionable. We've got to counter the popular idea of the church as strict rules with, the church of love. And yes, because of that, because of that, the church is clear, clear on doctrine, clear on the importance of who we are in the eyes of God, clear on love of neighbor. Yes, yes, sexual communion belongs only in marriage between a man and a woman. Yes, marriage is lifelong, faithful. Yes, Sunday Mass must be at the core of our lives. Yes, we must for- forgive each other. Yes, we must forgive Yes, we must confess sin and receive absolution. And why? Because God loves us and we return that love. And He looks on what He's made. He delights in us. He is love. And that beating heart beats for you and for me. Enjoy the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Enjoy the month of the Sacred Heart. You're listening to Auntie Joanna, Joanna Bogle on Feasts and Seasons. Tune in to Auntie Joanna on Feasts and Seasons on Sunday 6.30pm, Tuesday 4.30pm, Saturday 2.30am, Saturday 8.30pm. And send us any of your stories. Tell us how you celebrate the Feasts and Seasons of the Church's Year. Any family traditions? What do you do, make, eat and sing for the different feasts of the year? What will you be doing for the feasts that are coming up? Send us your stories at info at radiomariaengland.uk.